If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet PlushCare, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Bex. And I'm Laura. And we're here to talk openly and honestly about miscarriage, stillbirth and all pregnancy loss. We aim to smash the taboo surrounding these subjects. And rebuild the topic in a way to support and educate women. Rather than isolate and shame them. Welcome to the worst girl gang ever. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of The Worst Girl Gang. This week's a little bit different. Uh, we haven't got a guest but we, we don't need one because we have our very own Laura here who's <laughs> going to talk about all about her experiences because we just felt in the introductory episode we didn't actually cover the horrendous journey that Laura's had with fertility and miscarriage and ectopic pregnancy and heart-shaped wombs and all that jazz and all that jazz so we thought we'd do it now yeah. welcome one and all thanks Thank Thank you, Laura. thanks for having me oh it's so lovely to have you in the studio <laughs> oh that joke again i love that joke oh, never gonna stop being funny to me but it's wearing thin on everyone else now oh dear so yeah i think in the first episode we talked about particularly your for recurrent miscarriages. So could yes. you just give us an overview? So, yeah, briefly, because we've already touched on it before, we had a year trying to conceive, then had a couple of miscarriages, followed by a missed miscarriage, followed by another two miscarriages. The missed miscarriage was the molar pregnancy. Yeah. Then I had the repair of the heart-shaped womb, Mm-hmm. And then went on to have another miscarriage. And that's where we got up to last time, really. So I'd had yeah. six losses and had been referred to my fourth specialist. And I was waiting to see them in the spring. But in okay. the meantime, was really struggling mentally. Yes, mentally. You, were, you went to your dark place, didn't you? Yeah. Your cave of unhappiness, which I yeah. think so many people can relate to. So just... Before we get onto that, you say you saw four specialists. Yeah. Why did you keep going to a new one? Um, well, the first one was just at the local hospital. It was routine. After the third loss, you get referred to a recurrent miscarriage clinic and they run a set of very routine basic tests. Nothing came back from those tests, nothing significant anyway. And so mm. it was after the fifth loss that he referred me on to another recurrent miscarriage clinic um sort of was he was sold to me as being the best in the area and so I went to see him and was fobbed off 
for want of a better word. Like he just, uh, I don't want to say he laughed at me, but he sort of did. He sort of sniggered at me. Why? When I, what, what? Did you punch him directly in the I face really, or the really balls? Wanted to, really you should have done. To. Should have punched um, him in the face and kicked him at the balls. When I was pregnant with Bertie, he was my doctor. He was oh. my obstetrician then. Luckily, I never got to see him. And I always saw one of his juniors because otherwise he would have got a piece of my mind. Because what I asked him for at the time, because I'd done a lot of research and I knew what, what I thought was wrong and I knew what I thought might help. And I was bloody right. And this was like years before. And I was asking for the right things, the right tests, the right treatment, which ended up working. But he sniggered when I asked him for them. What did he say? Well, I'm the professional well, type. No, attitude. it's just like you know, it's just it's just bad luck. You're looking into this too too much. You're, you know, it's very unlikely that that would be the problem. And you need to just go away and try again. Come back to me when you're 32 if you haven't had a baby by then. And at the time, wow. I was 30, almost 31. And I thought, what difference is a year going to make? Like literally, he didn't change anything to do with my treatment plan. He offered suggestions, lots of suggestions, but I kept saying, "Well, we've already tried that one," and then he'd offer something else, and I say, "Well, actually, we've already tried that one, and that didn't work." So in the end, he sent me on my merry way, far from merry way, actually, um, mm -hmm. and didn't change anything, and just told me to come back in a year. And I thought, well, what's the what's the point if you're not going to change anything? Once you've lost confidence in someone, it's very difficult to build that back up. Yeah. And if someone's telling you to do things and you're like, I'm actually already doing that. I'm taking control of my own fertility. Yeah. And the trouble then... is you really pin your hopes on these, these appointments. Mm. You, yeah. you spend ages waiting for them and you hope and pray that you're going to walk out of that room with like a plan or yes, something different. Something. Yeah. And it's so heartbreaking. It's devastating. And do you know, I remember walking out of that appointment and I went to the, I was really trying, you know, when you're so frustrated, you just want to burst into tears. I thought, I'm mm. not crying in front of this pillar, no way. And I walked out and I went to the ticket machine, paid for my car parking, got in the car and I'd sobbed because I just was so frustrated. I thought, mm. I don't know where to turn next. Yeah. I, what, I'm at a loss. I don't know what to do. Nothing's, they've not offered me anything of any use. And when I got to the car park barrier, my ticket had run out. I was in the car crying so much Aww. that I had to go back and pay again for another hour. <laughs> I totally get that though, because it's like, I think one of the real difficulties with this whole topic is the fact that there are bodies and we should know what's going on with them. Yeah. But we don't. No. There's so much about our bodies and the way they function that we don't know. And we have to rely on other people to tell us that information. And we rely on these people with these degrees at university and these years and years of training and experience and education yeah. and we assume that they're going to put us right yeah. give us the answer tell us what to do and we're going to be okay and we go with as you say all our hopes pinned on that and then to come away from that with nothing must be almost feel like a loss in itself yeah it, it is a bit like that but the trouble is they are the experts but there's only so much research they can go with so it's not mm. it's they're not always at fault. I mean, yeah, he shouldn't have sniggered at me. But the policy probably is that he's not allowed to offer me those tests. Probably isn't that he's being mean. Yeah. The, just the research isn't there. And if it is, the protocols aren't in place to allow these things to happen. Like the tests that I eventually got done aren't offered on the NHS, mm. apart from two doctors in the whole of the UK. So right. it's just potluck. No one referred me to him. Well, the GP referred me to him in the end. But I had to 
do my own research and beg to get the referral done and call and inquire myself. It wouldn't have been offered to me. Your fourth specialist. That was the fourth one. Yeah. The third one was up in London. They found the heart shaped womb. That was some advice from a friend who had had 10 you know her 10th pregnancy was her twins she'd had nine miscarriages before and I thought crikey if it worked for her I'm willing to give it a shot so mm. it was the GP that referred me to that one okay. and then it was the fourth one was the magician in the end and so the magician was the I believe the job title that I cannot pronounce but oh, I'm going to give it a go it. the immunizeologist yeah. No? yeah reproductive immunologist immunologist yeah 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 no that's what I said yeah he runs a clinic that I guess I'm not sure why no one else offers these tests on the NHS I guess it's to do with funding I'm not entirely sure but he runs a clinic that does extra tests on the immune system okay um, so just quickly so I can mm. understand it are they genetic or blood tests or you know, what, how do you go about having these tests? What do they do? It's about 15 vials of blood. Okay. And I'm not sure entirely of the ins and outs. It's very complex, but they took a shed load of blood. A shed load? Yes. Wow. That's, that's, that's the a, technical that's term. Lot. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that thrown around all the time in hospitals. Yeah. We're going to take well, a shed load from this one. Yeah, it is. It's, it's an <laughs> awful lot. And when they took the bloods... Again, you pin all your hopes on this. And I had to prepare myself for the fact that this was the best guy that I was going to see. And these are the tests that I thought were going to give me the answers. And I had to prepare Mm. myself that they were going to come back and say everything was fine. Yeah. And that was sort of hellish, but also got me to start focusing on other things. So I did. Mm. I started running and went back to the rowing club and started playing netball again and stuff because I was so prepared. Even though I knew or I suspected this was the problem, I prepared myself for them to say, actually, Laura, it is just bad luck. Nothing's come back. Mm. I went for that, that appointment and I was so fucking pleased that they said there was something wrong with me. Honestly. And what was it that they said? It's called anti-LA antibodies. Right. Don't ask me any more about it because I haven't got a clue. So autoimmune issues are basically, as I understand it, your body has an overactive immune system. So Mm -hmm. it fights off foreign objects. Including a baby. Yeah, that's the real basic way of putting it. It just rejects the baby. Mm. So, And were all your miscarriages that you'd had, were they all early miscarriages? They were all before nine weeks. Were they? Um, the molar pregnancy was before nine weeks, but obviously it was a missed miscarriage, so I didn't find out until later. And then there was the ectopic as well. But all the others were all around about the same time, sort of between seven and nine weeks. Right. Which is quite so common then, for people with immune problems. Is it? So at that point, the baby maybe gets big enough for the body to recognise it as a foreign? I guess so. I mean, it's it's real complex stuff, but that's yeah. sort of like the, the, the basic. But it's real simple treatment. I say simple treatment, treatment, it's drugs that knock your immune system, um, immunosuppressants, so yeah. risk of picking up infections. There's obviously a risk that goes with taking them, but it is literally just a few tablets each day. And then, you know, Boom. in most situations, your baby sticks. And that's, that's amazing. And these mm. drugs that they gave me after all this testing are the drugs that I asked that guy for, the one that really? sniggered at me. Yeah. Stupid Killer. dick. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so the, how did you find out by yourself that that's what you needed? Or? I read some scientific journals. Um, yeah, I just spent a lot of time on online forums, seeing what other people were doing. And, you know, it's very interesting. America's health system is very different to ours. In America, because it's all private, there are options. They, they give you these options. These options that are hidden from us here or not showed to us openly are shown over there and so chatting to these women in america who are having these tests done routinely i thought mm. why can't i have those tests done and i looked around and it's you know a few thousand pounds to have it done in clinic all over the place and i thought why don't they offer this on the nhs think about the sort of money that it could save like the amount of money the early pregnancy unit has spent on, on scanning me and all of those sorts of things and all the well, medications so when I had my miscarriage and I had to have two procedures mm-hmm. because the first one didn't work and the second, I didn't actually have the second one in the end, but that's a different story. But the first one that they did was unsuccessful. So I was still showing up as pregnant like six weeks later. And when I went back, they said, oh, we'll do it with a camera next time. Do and it I with thought, the camera the Why first didn't you time? do it with the camera the first time? And I got out and I was talking to Rob and he said, oh, it's probably, you know, the funding. And I was like, yeah, but now they've had to do two. And that's two hospital stays. That's two lots yeah. of anaesthetic. That's two lots of this, two lots of that. It just is crazy. But mm-hmm. it must be to do with money because why, why yeah. else is it? The NHS aren't after making women miserable everywhere. No, no, they? of course not. Yeah, I think it all does boil down to money and policy. Yeah, it's such a shame. I bloody love the NHS. Yeah, me too. But yeah. sometimes we have to help them out and do our own research and fight, yeah. fight our battles. It's not that they don't want us to have successful pregnancies. It's that they don't have Their hands are tied yeah absolutely and so in terms of financially did you have to pay out the nose is that the right expression don't know but we'll go with it okay. um so no I didn't pay any money in the end I inquired about seeing this magician we'll call him magician magic and- mike <laughs> magic mike <laughs> that would have been nice oh dear if he's listening nice to this. end to the journey <laughs> I got a referral done on the NHS and it was going Mm -hmm. to be a six month wait. I was in that dark place that I've talked about before and I considered going private. And by the time I decided that's what I was going to do, it was only a couple of months left to wait for the NHS appointment. And I just, I couldn't afford to really, there was was always that thought in the back of my mind that we were just chucking money down the toilet. It was possible that it was going to come back, that there was nothing wrong and then we would have no savings and be in debt for the sake of a couple of months wait Nothing. yeah so I just waited in terms of financially because I imagine there's loads of women here just thinking well I can't I can't pay for these tests I can't do this but you didn't have to so what would your no. advice be to women who cannot pay for extensive research would you just advise them to badger their doctor and get referrals or how do they start to research yeah, absolutely this? I think going to your doctor and and asking to be referred to a specialist in general is not very helpful I had to speak to my GP and tell them who I wanted to be referred to. Here's the phone number. Here's the email address. Why I wanted to be referred to them, i.e., you know, it's proven that so many people with recurrent miscarriages have seen him. They've taken mm-hmm. these drugs and, they, and it's been successful. We've tried everything else. This is my last ditch attempt at having a family. Please help yeah, me. Help me. Your GP won't necessarily have heard of these specialists so you magic need to, exactly yeah. you need to need to fight these battles but don't feel nervous about doing it if this is your you know your last shot 
give it everything. And in terms of when you're in a dark place, that was in the six months leading up to your final Magic Mike experience. Just had the miscarriage after having the septum removed. And they said to me, you know, this, this should work, blah, blah, blah. It didn't work. And then I was like, right, what now? Got the referral to Magic Mike and then realized I had a six month wait on my hands and started looking into adoption because I was trying to prepare myself for it not working. Looked into adoption, could not bring myself to sign the papers. We went to, to an open evening And I left feeling super excited because they were talking about how you can adopt like multiple children from one family all at once. So I was thinking, oh my God, after all this wait, finally, we could have our ready-made family. We could get a group of siblings and and that's it. We don't have to go through this shit anymore. Oh my God, yeah. When you sign the form, you have to sign to say that two things, you, you, it's been more than six months since you since you last tried to have a baby yourself which it hadn't been it only been two months since my miscarriage which was, was recorded in my medical notes so I knew I wouldn't get away with it the other thing you had to say is that you're not going to try anymore they want the adopted children to be the youngest in the family I wanted to have both uh, options yeah. on the go really yeah, is, is course, what I wanted I thought I want to start the adoption process and I want to keep trying for a baby and then hopefully one of them will work but that you can't do that and I, I, I understand why now it's not fair on the people in that adoption process they need you to have all your eggs in that basket and be totally invested Mm. and I wasn't yeah so I went from thinking oh I've got two options to in the back of my mind thinking do you know I might not have any options yeah neither could work out and that's when I spiraled and I just during that spiral what did that look like to you a lot of drinking to excess um sort of binge drinking whenever I was in a social situation I just get wasted yeah. So how else do you deal with these things? You either don't go, which I did an awful lot of. I was a bit of a hermit in those months. Or you go and just completely ignore everything else that's going on around you and just get shit-faced. Mm. Um, and did you, because <laughs> drinking's a slight issue for me as well. <laughs> and I just find that when I'm drinking, I get really angry with everyone yeah. and everything and that's yeah it's not I just sort of get over nice the top to be around me yeah um like over the top sort of gregarious and fun and, yeah and trying not to f- focus on how shit things are yeah I mean to be honest with you I probably don't remember much of it because I'm that <laughs> drunk <laughs> yeah but I just could not handle being around anyone that was pregnant it was the pregnant people that I was particularly jealous of. And yeah. I say jealous, I was, I was jealous, I was resentful. I was so, so bitter. Even my nearest and dearest, I couldn't talk about their pregnancies. In fact, there are some people who I am quite close to who I didn't acknowledge their pregnancies until their babies were here. And I, not that I didn't see them. I just couldn't bring myself to, to acknowledge it because acknowledging it would have caused me to be upset in their presence. So I just, just ignored it. Was I, there a kind of, can't you just be, I'm no, your friend? No one ever confronted me about it. And I'm quite surprised because I know looking back how hard I made it for people, but I didn't know how to deal with it in any other way. Yeah. And I guess they could see that. Yeah. Um, You've obviously got some good friends. Yeah. Wonderful friends yeah. and family. Um, they've put up with a lot for sure. 
Yeah, especially drunk Laura. I can imagine she is quite mm. the handful. Yeah. I mean, Scoop was very good because in those situations, he'd quite often notice that I'd gone too far. There's <laughs> a bit of a fine line with me. Sometimes, <laughs> it depends how many drinks I've had. If someone says, Laura, you're go- you've gone a bit too far, depending on how many drinks I've had, I can either say, okay, yeah, you're right, and sob and let's go home. Or I can be like, fuck off. No, I'm all right. Who are you telling me what to do? <laughs> you proper EastEnders it. I, I love that about you. <laughs> And with those, those hard, horrible, shitty times. Hard times. Da, 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 da. So what advice, because we are talking to women everywhere who are going through these shitty, shitty times. And there's doubtlessly women that exactly know where you've been and how you feel. What would you say to them about feeling all these shitty, horrible, ugly feelings about their friends and family? How do you deal with that? How did you deal with that? I dealt with that by going to a counsellor did you yeah I did I went to the counsellor because I hated myself for feeling the way I did Mm -hmm. I didn't go to the counsellor because I was having difficulties dealing with these miscarriages but the counsellor thought that that was the reason and she said to me I only went to one session she said to me looking back in a few years time you will realize that what I'm saying is right and I can tell you now that she wasn't right (laughs) (laughs) She was trying to tell me that I had to grieve for each individual loss and for each baby that wasn't born. And this is just my personal experience. And I know other people do grieve for each life loss. For me, it was a grief of of not being a mum. That is mm. that is what I was mourning, the loss of motherhood. My sure, issue was yeah. I just want to be a mum. And the longer this goes on, the more losses I have the bleaker this is looking for me and the counsellor said that's not the case Laura you need to you need to grieve the losses of these babies and and one day you'll realize that I only went to one counselling session because I thought oh she just doesn't get me and maybe I should have given it another shot maybe I should have seen somebody else or or taken on board what she was saying and tried some of the techniques that she was suggesting, but I just wasn't in the right frame of mind at the time. Mm. I think it's really interesting, the difference in finding the right therapist, because I've been seeing a therapist for many years and I love her and I've seen loads of different ones, but this one, I absolutely adore her and I'm divorced and she took me through all my divorce and how we cope with that and problems with, you know, being too fond of of booze and stuff and Mm. all that. And then, and then when I had a miscarriage, obviously I went to see her again. And for me, she was incredible because she just said, gosh, your life is so difficult at the moment. And it was that recognition for me of someone saying, uh, uh, yeah, total acknowledgement. I've already got three kids. It's lockdown. I'm homeschooling two of them. I've got a one-year-old child. I run my husband's business. I've got my photography company. I've got so much going on in my life that I think everyone sort of thought, oh, she's really busy. She's Mm -hmm. fine. She's so busy. And she's so, oh, she'll be, she gets up and dusts herself off and off she goes, you know, and everyone expected that of me and I couldn't do it. Yeah. And I think someone just turning around going, your life is so difficult, really helped me. And it made me go, yeah, it is. I had my loss after I've already a mum. Uh-huh. So the loss for me was kind of, was for the baby and for how the baby would have fit in with our family. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's common for most people to yeah, feel definitely. that way. I but think... also if someone is listening and thinking about therapy, I would not only advise to definitely give it a go, but I would also advise if they have an experience like you, 
to potentially try someone else. go and try someone else. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. yeah, it didn't help me, but no, like I said, I didn't give it much of a much of a chance. But I remember you telling me when we met last week that what really did help you was acknowledging in your own mind that your feelings were not only normal yeah. but valid and so, letting them go rather than hate yourself for having them absolutely that is so so true after I didn't have much success with the counsellor after 45 minutes <laughs> um I mean, you really gave it your best shot <laughs> totally <laughs> I took to these social media groups these Facebook groups I realized that these horrible like I call them ugly thoughts mm. I tried to sort of hide from people which is why I went and saw the counsellor about it I thought I don't want to tell my friends I don't want to tell my family I don't even want to tell Scoop how horrible I feel and how much I hate seeing people that I love when they're pregnant like that's awful mm. and then all these people on social media were like me too I feel yeah. like that as well and I couldn't go to my friend's baby shower and um I missed my friend's wedding because I was meant to be pregnant at the time and I just couldn't face it and I was like oh my god I totally get this yeah and then I realized that it's normal there is nothing that I can do to stop these feelings so I just need to accept them and yeah. accept them and be a bit more open about them so mm. Instead of hiding from situations, saying, I don't feel up to coming. I'm really struggling at the moment. Don't hate me, but I'm really finding it difficult to be around people that are pregnant. And, and what, was the, what was the reaction to that when you said that to people? Oh my God, that's fine. No worries. Yeah, because I think a lot of people worry that by them saying that, they'll lose friendships and, they'll, and people go, oh, I can't believe she couldn't be there for me. But, but it's not the case. If someone said that to me, I would be absolutely fine. Yeah. don't worry you do you I'll do me we'll yeah. let me know when, when you are okay. ready to yeah. see me and um, I'll see you privately I'll see you know have yeah. a chat on the phone exactly there so. will be dicks out there but if anything by you saying this and someone that you know turning into a cockwomble and saying oh I can't believe you can't be there for me they're not your friend anyway no, they're less likely to be a dick if you're open with them yeah um, and if you're not if you don't feel like you can open up to them you don't have to say the specifics, you know, leave them to put two and two together. Say, I'm not feeling up to it. I'm not feeling up to being sociable at the moment. If mm. they know what you've been through, they'll probably get it. It's normal. Accept the feelings. Don't beat yourself up about it. Doesn't Everyone make you a nasty them. person. Not at all. Not in the slightest. Laura's pretty cool. I'm not sure cool is the right word. <laughs> I'm not sure cool is the right word. <laughs> no, lol's joke. You are cool. <laughs> Um, so anyway, we digress massively, but I think it was worth it. Really Back good. to your six months of waiting to see your immunizeologist. That's the one. Magic Mike. Magic Mike. And you had an ectopic pregnancy. Yeah, Tell I us did. About that. Found out I was pregnant very early on, as one does when they are trying and tracking and all of those sorts of things oh the pregnancy test like how how many different lights do you look at a pregnancy test in oh my god do you know before filters was a thing on instagram you used to be able to do filters on like your phone maybe you still can i'm not very cool and technical see not cool but i used to put them in different filters so the lines would glow and or not glow as the case was most of the time yeah 
I've been, I've literally thrown pregnancy tests, get on so annoyed with myself. I've done different brands, been so convinced that I've been pregnant after obviously the nipple, the nipple, constant nipple squeezing. Uh-huh, the tweaking. Done, done pregnancy tests, gotten so annoyed with myself, thrown them all in the bin and then literally 20 minutes, got them all out. Absolutely. Discarded the banana peel and the tea bags and looked again. Yeah. Yeah. There must be another line there. No, no, there's you not. know that you're going batshit crazy, but you can't help it. They call it lionized, don't they? Yeah, in the, because in the TTC <laughs> community, they call it lionized. Oh, the TTC with the BD and the TCP and the well, let me be, let me be free. Yeah, oh, that's that's another thing. All the acronyms. This shows how popular this topic is because there's so many bloody acronyms that it's basic. That's what it is to me. Yeah. What was um? What did you think BD was? Because I always thought baby, it was bed down, ba- baby dance. Yeah, I think you might be right. I think I'm right because I'm, I'm cool sure I heard it's bed down. <laughs> bed? What does bed down even mean? Who's like, ever said that? Oh, should we go in bed down, love? Let's people try say, "Shall we do a baby and... dance?" Is that I mean, Rob's, they, Rob's they... shut-up <laughs> line to you? <laughs> Hello, baby. Do you fancy a dance tonight? <laughs> no. I mean, if anyone said to me, "Do you want to go in baby dance?" It's like very unsexy, isn't it? Yeah, as unsexy as bed down, I guess. <laughs> the BDs. When you're TTC. And hopefully you'll get a BFP and you won't get AF. Yeah, so I thought AF was as fuck. So like... Cool, like me. Cool as fuck. But AF is Aunt Flo, isn't it? Yeah, Aunt Florence, that's it. I don't like that. Because, no, I don't like that. AF can stay as us. I don't really like any of them, to be honest. I don't like any of them. But it is handy to know what they are. But um, if in doubt, just make it up. Anyway, because you said to me, your words literally, I texted Laura a while ago and said, I've got some really bad cramps and I'm worried I'm having an ectopic pregnancy. And she said, wave a pregnancy test past your foo. And if it's positive, it's time to start worrying. Yeah, wow. Do you know, I'm not sure this is actually true, having spoken to someone about it recently. Okay. But I was always under the impression that your HCG levels are incredibly high for an ectopic pregnancy. Oh, right. And so that's the only pregnancy that I've had where it's been a super strong positive, like straight away. And I know a few other people that that's happened to as well. So I was under the impression that that was that was the norm I'm not entirely sure so don't quote me on it but yes this was the first time it came up bright pink straight away and I was like that's it this is it this This is is the winning one this is a good sign right Mm -hmm. Um, and it was number seven so lucky number seven Mm. I don't know is that a thing or did I just make it up I think it's a thing we'll go with it so I was really positive about it and we went away for the weekend and I was at my uncle's house and I started spotting mm. straight away. I was like, well, that's it. It's over. And How many weeks were you then? Six. Right. So I'd only known for a couple of weeks. We hadn't really told anyone because we were sure that this was going to be the lucky one. And we wanted to surprise everyone because I would have been 13 weeks okay. on Mother's Day. Um, so we'd kept it quiet because we just, we just thought this, this time it's going to work. And we planned this wonderful announcement. Anyway, Mm. as soon as I started spotting, I phoned the early pregnancy unit and they booked me in for the Monday. This was the Saturday. And throughout the Saturday and Sunday while we were away, the spotting was on and off. I assumed because every other time I'd had spotting, I assumed that this was going to be a miscarriage. But there was still that little bit of hope because it was still just spotting. It wasn't Mm. red. 
I thought there's a chance that everything might be okay. And then I went to the early pregnancy unit on the Monday morning, went to the Mm -hmm. loo when I got there and there was a lot of blood. So when I went in for the scan, I said, look, I've just lost a lot of blood in the toilet. I'm pretty sure. And they said, they scanned me, internal scan. And they scanned and said, we can't see anything in the uterus. And I was like, yeah, that's it. I've probably just lost it when I went to the toilet then. And then they said, we're just going to check your tubes and your ovaries. And then they said, oh, we found the pregnancy. Um, We're really sorry, Laura. It's it's an ectopic. And I mean, this was my seventh loss, the seventh time in the same room with the same staff. And then they knew me pretty well by now. Mm. So they were pretty devastated for me. Yeah. And I just thought, not only have I lost it, but now I risk losing a tube as well. So this is policy and protocol for you. Depending on the size, the location and the HCG levels will depend on whether they watch and wait, they operate. That rhymes. They watch and wait or they operate. Or they should they should start saying that to patients. I'm sure that would go down really well. (laughs) They can make it into some sort of song. Yeah, possibly. And the third option is to take medication. That's methotrexate and that will get rid of it. Right. Flush it out, as it were. You don't get a choice in any of these. Okay. It just depends on all of those things. So wait for the bloods to come back. And then they came and they said, we need to operate. And I said, why am, why am I not experiencing any pain? Like people say mm. they have pain with ectopic pregnancies. I didn't have any pain. And they said it's because it's not actually in the tube. It's in the corner of the tube and the uterus so just at the opening so it's called a corneal ectopic which is quite rare but anyway they they operated and they have to take all of the affected area so by this point I'd had two dnc's for miscarriages I'd had the septum removed Mm. and now I was having my left tube taken out and that corner of the uterus as well so they took away that part of the uterus so they said to me afterwards that I wouldn't be able to have natural labor because it wouldn't be able to cope with it because of all the scarring and also that there's obviously more scar tissue so the chances of implantation in those areas is obviously minimal so so my ute is a bit of a patchwork yeah i'm afraid so following this but you know you had the ectopic during those six months where you're waiting so then it was only it was a couple of months, see Magic Mike, did the test, tests came back, showed something and they told me the treatment I would be having, but they couldn't give me the treatment for six months because I had to have another set of blood tests because the treatment they initially wanted to give me has quite nasty side effects. They're rare, but they have to make sure that you definitely need the medication mm. because they're not going to give it to you willy nilly. So I had to willy wait six nearly, months. By the way, great phrase. Love great that phrase. Use that great phrase. Willy, willy nilly. nilly. Let's use more willy nillies in our lives. <laughs> Go so, on. Yeah, I had to wait six months for the next lot of tests, but fell pregnant in the meantime. So I didn't get the fancy drug that had all the nasty side effects. In the end, I just got like the standard protocol. Okay. And then you fell pregnant with Bertie. Yeah, I did. So I phoned them straight away and I was like, oh my God, I'm pregnant and I haven't had the next lot of tests done yet. I don't know what to do. I'm going to miscarry. Is there anything that you can give me? And they said, we can't give you what we planned to give you, but we can give you these ones, which were the ones that I'd been asking for all those years before. So I was like, yeah. that's fine. Just give them to me. So I drove to the hospital. I drove there to pick up my stash of drugs. You have never seen so many drugs in all your life. And it 
bloody worked. Yay. I know, right? Eight times so lucky. That's so good. And Bertie's now 15 months. Seventeen months. Seventeen months. Nearly seventeen months, yeah. And throughout your pregnancy, was it pretty stressful? Oh yeah. I mean horrendous. Pregnancy after loss is not enjoyable in the slightest. Mm. I was again very hard to be around at the time. If anyone said anything to me about the baby, I'd say, well, you know, if it doesn't fall out by then. Yeah. If it makes it here. Yeah, I get that. It's tempting fate, isn't it? It's I think when you we talked about this the other day, but I think when you have when you have not had a straightforward road. When you've had a straightforward road, you come off contraception, you have sex for the first time, and you go, Oh, I wonder if we're pregnant. <laughs> and then if you don't fall pregnant within the first few months you start looking into it and you realize that it can only happen for a normal person on like three or four days of the month anyway. And you like your whole past experience of trying not to get pregnant just goes poof. Oh, absolutely. That it's not that bloody easy. Yeah. We're so naive, aren't we? We're so, we're so naive because that's how we've been conditioned to be. Yeah, yeah. So if you have had a straightforward road, then when you're pregnant, you obviously start getting things, don't you? People buy you presents and you start getting prepared and you decorate yeah. the room. But because my, my fertility was not straightforward at all, when I fell pregnant with James, my eldest, who's nearly 10, I didn't buy anything until I was literally until that time when it's not actually you're not even considered to be having a baby prematurely yeah that's when I did my shopping post 37 weeks because I could not let myself what I feel was fall into a trap of being secure yeah so I didn't buy nappies we didn't decorate his bedroom we did nothing because I didn't want anything in the house because I felt that was tempting fate yeah, And I can imagine that. that that's how you felt during your pregnancy after having such a battle. Yeah, I mean, yeah. poor Bertie only had his bedroom decorated a couple of months ago because it was locked down. Otherwise, he'd still be in a prison <laughs> cell, honestly. Oh, <laughs> it's a stressful time. It is super stressful. I remember Scoop coming home with a van load of hand-me-downs that various mm. people had wanted to give to us. He was bringing all this stuff in and putting it on the dining room table. And I just sobbed. At first, I didn't know why I was sobbing, why I was finding it so difficult. But I just did not want that stuff in our house. And mm. I was so grateful. Lots of people had saved us this stuff for years. Oh, we'll save mm. this for you for when you have a baby. And it was, I was so grateful. I just, I just couldn't look at it. I couldn't actually imagine us having a baby. And it's not until we brought him home that, that it felt right and people yeah. used to said to me all the time does it feel weird and I was like no not weird at all not in the slightest it's perfect it's exactly as it should be I feel like we've been ready for this for so long there's mm. nothing weird about it it just feels right oh that's good mm. that's so lovely we got there in the end <laughs> yeah and in terms of so Bertie is now 70 months old mm. and how does the future look for you um, well, I've been back to see my specialist and yeah. they're happy for me to go again. Will you look at the, having this other set of blood tests and going on this different treatment? Possibly. It's a bit okay. tricky at the moment with lockdown and not having oh, course, appointments yeah. and things. I forgot about um, lockdown. It's only been telephone appointment, but I have to go and get some blood tests done soon. But yeah. More excitingly, in October, I am publishing a book. No way. Tell us more. Yeah. So when I was in my deep, dark place, Mm -hmm. I started writing a blog and I found writing so, so therapeutic 
at first I didn't show it to anyone I just wrote for myself it was like a diary mm. and then one day I just I showed it to a few people and they said Laura this is amazing so one day I just clicked publish and stuck it on Facebook for the world to see and the response was lovely and mm. then a few months after obviously I fell pregnant with Bertie and i still blogged throughout the pregnancy but once the pregnancy was over and he was here after a few months he started sleeping through and then I'd have my evenings free again Mm. so I decided to start writing a book and I based it on my blog so it was my journey through recurrent miscarriage Mm -hmm. I've been getting it ready to self-publish over the last few months thanks to lockdown that's two things lockdown has allowed me to write a book and Bertie's bedroom got decorated so yeah I was getting ready to self-publish and then literally last week got contacted by an actual publishers an actual real life they want to publish it for me that's so good so that should be done in time for baby loss awareness week in October oh Laura congratulations that's absolutely brilliant and so well deserved you worked so hard on this and you've been through such a shit time and I think your book is going to help so many people with a little bit of hope because I really hope so you have kept pushing and you've kept going you kept going and even with our podcast you know you've been such a force behind it that I get frightened sometimes to tell you I can't can't make it (laughs) But I just think what you're doing is, I think you're an inspirational person. Oh, well, thanks, mate. But not cool. No, not cool. (laughs) But we can work on that. (laughs) Oh, brilliant. Yeah, the book is going to be called It Will Happen. Fab. And how much is it retailing for? I'm not in charge of all that stuff, am I? I just did the writing bit. Can we get like a discount code, Worst Girl Gang? Maybe. I'll have to speak to my publishers. (laughs) What about a signed copy? I'm getting a signed copy, right? <laughs> oh, well, that's brilliant. And once again, everyone, thanks for tuning in. See you next week. See you next week. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. And please, please, when you have a second, rate us, review us and share us. And let's get this taboo smashed. See you next week. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel-Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.